Bav Metziah, Perak Aleph, Mishnah Aleph, 1-1, we now begin Meseches Bav Metziah with the famous Mishnah of Shnaim Ochiz and Batalas, two people holding on to a talus, fighting over who gets to keep it. Now, our entire chapter will deal with the question of who gets to keep what and when. The basic rule, the golden rule, when it comes to who gets to keep a particular object is that the Muchzuk, the one who's currently in possession of it, gets to keep it, unless Hamotzi Mechavero Alavaraya, unless the person trying to get it away from that person, um, can prove, the burden of proof, Allah harai, the burden of proof is on him to show that it really belongs um, to the one who is not currently in possession. And the typical raya, the typical proof that that moti, that person extracting the object would bring, would be two witnesses that would confirm that it really belongs to him after all. Okay, so our Mishnah, when you have two people holding the talis, we're talking about a situation in which there is no muhsak, meaning that nobody's holding on to any material part of the talis, each one any significant part of the talus, uh, each one is just holding on to like an, the fringes at the edge, okay? Um, and therefore, no one's muhsak in anything. If hypothetically, um, each one would be holding on to like a bunch of fabric, and they just are fighting over like a... If they, each one's holding a bunch of fabric, so then whatever bunch of fabric they'd be holding, they could keep, okay? And the mission would just go on to discuss how to allocate... Um, the fabric that's between the two bunches they're holding directly, um, which is held by nobody, okay? So here, Shlaim, Ochz, and Batalis, two people are holding one talus, each of the very, like, the fringes of the edge. Ze'omer ve'ze'omer Each one says, I'm the one who found it, meaning I'm the one who picked it up first, just seeing it doesn't help, but if you pick it up with a kidney, you acquired it, it's yours, and each one says, he did it by himself first. And that being the case, each one claims the entire talus should belong to him. Okay, now um, we're talking about a case, of course, where there's no obligation to, to do hashava saveda. Typically, when you find things, you have to f- return them to their owner. But this is a case where there's no obligation to return it for whatever reason. There's no simon. It's a town of mostly non-Jews or whatever the story is. Okay, so how do we rule with that? And similarly, the second part of the Mishnah, which if you read it, it sounds like it's a continuation of the first part. Zeamar kula shali, zeamar kula shali. Each one says the entire talis is mine. The proper way to understand this mission is not that each one is it's a single case of saying, I found it and it's all mine, but no, rather, the Kula Shali is a different case. It's where instead of claiming they found the object, each one claims they bought the object fair and square, meaning there's kind of like a shook situation going on where, you know, there's Talus for sale, it's the last one in the market, and um, they both are fighting for it and essentially basically both shove money into the hands of the merchant, and the merchant, you know, intended to sell to one of them, but uh, the merchant himself can't remember which, let's say. He doesn't know. They were just two hands and money, you know, chasing whatever the story is. And therefore, they both now pick it up, each one thinking it's theirs, each one claiming they're the ones who bought it with the consent of the merchant. We don't know whose it belongs to, so each one's saying it's all theirs. So, um, in both those cases, worth noting is that it's possible that neither one is actually lying. I mean, of course, someone did possibly pick it up first, but maybe not. Maybe they both picked it up together at the same exact time, really. It's... it's um. They, each one thinks it's all theirs, but they're both just mistaken. Same goes for the buying the object. They could simply be mistaken. So um, the Mishnah says that The din will be that each of the two people fighting over the talus, in both cases, both the found talus and the purchased talus, is each one will swear he has no less than half of the rights to the talus, and then they'll divide the talus equally amongst the two of them. Uh, that obligation to swear is actually a din de Rabbanan. In truth, 
uh, without the Durabanan, we would just anyways divide between the two of them. But the rabbis thought, listen, if you don't make there be some kind of uh, disincentive by making people swear, so then, you know, people will just be cheats. They'll pick up talus that people are holding and then come to Bezdin with them and then just uh, get to get half of what they're fighting over. So therefore, to disincentivize that kind of essentially theft, uh, we make people take a shvua before we let them keep half. If you'll ask, as the Gemara does, well, wait a second, if you think this person anyways is a thief, what good is his shvua? The answer is that the shvua, an oath, uh, people are more afraid of than simply, you know, the generic, you know, taking of, of the people's property through stealing. And therefore, even if you're chashed on mammon, even if you're suspected of being kind of um, fast and loose with people's money, you're not so fast and loose when it comes to taking uh, false oaths. Okay? So you have a din, durabanan, to take a shavua over here. Now, um, a few more points. First of all, um, if the case would be that the people are fighting over a situation where they one is for sure lying. In other words, let's say, for example, uh, each one says that they, they're they the ones who were the weaver of this talus. So this one, it, so then obviously one of them for sure didn't, is lying, okay? Um, what happens then? So Tosla says as Pasha, the same thing would apply. They're fighting over Bez doesn't know who both claim it's theirs entirely because they made it. Um, neither one's currently muchsak in anything. No one's holding anything. And therefore, we would again divide it with the shvua. The shvua is a, is a rabbinic oath. Okay? Rashi says, no, we're not going to countenance situations in which people are, someone's just a, a crook and give a crook half of a talus. We're not doing that. And therefore, according to Rashi, the din would be the talus now just sits on the shelf of the the of the Bezdin, until Eliyahu and Novi comes and tells us who it belongs to. Until then, we won't give it to either person um, because we're not going to we're not going to play with this kind of the Bezdin's not going to be forced to essentially steal someone half of someone's talus. We're not, we're not agreeing to that. Um, there is a logic to that. Of course, it's unfair to the person who's not losing all his talus just because of this false claim. Uh, but the uh, obviously, if the din is that the person who makes such a false claim gains nothing, he won't do it again. Okay. Now, um, what happens if the in the merchant case, uh, the merchant says he sold it to Mr. A. So what's that worth? The answer is, if Mr. A and B both claim it's theirs, and Mr. because they say that the merchant sold it to them, so then the merchant himself only serves as an eid echad, only as a single witness, and the rule is um, that you need a love harai, you need a full proof, and one witness is not a full proof, it's a half a proof. Okay, you need, so to speak, meaning you have to have two witnesses to extract. So the rule is that once you have an eid echad, once you have a single witness supporting your claim, that forces the other party to take a shvua mido oraisa. In other words, um, one of the cases where one can be forced, from the Torah perspective, to take a shvua about something is if there's an eid echad. So that means Mr. A and B both fighting of the talus, the, the merchant says that it belongs to Mr. A. So then Mr. B now is forced to take a shvua do oraisa, the full-blown shvua do oraisa with all that entails. It's pretty heavy duty. Um... As far as Mr. A, now, does he need to take a shvua midar like our Mishnah prescribes? So, uh, according to the Tosfos and the Rosh, it seems not. It seems once he's got a, a support of one witness, that would exempt him from the logic of having to take this rabbinic shvua. Though it's Masha from the, from the Rambam, then maybe he still, he still would. Okay, now, Mishnah continues on, and it says, Zeomar kulishli v'zeomar chetzi What happens if one guy says it's all mine, and the other guy says it's half mine. Meaning, um, one guy says, I found it and picked it up first, so it's all mine. The other one says, no, we found it and picked it up together, so it's both of ours. We should therefore divide it 50-50. 
So, the same conceptual rule applies as the first part of the Mishnah. Meaning the rule is, whatever's in dispute, they take a shavua on, they, take a, they swear that it's their, at least, at least no less than half of the disputed component belongs to them. Then we divide it 50-50. Okay? Um, so then, in our Mishnah here, it's going to say the same thing. It's going to say, um, Haomer Kula Shali, the one who claims it's all his, Yishava She'ein Lova Pachos Meshlosha Chalakim, he swears he has no less than three quarters. The other one says he has no less than one quarter of ownership. And then, Then the guy who said it's all his gets three quarters. And the guy who said it's half his gets one quarter. Again, let me just speak out first just the logic of the dividing before the, discussing the Shavuos themselves. The logic of dividing is, I'm repeating myself really, that since... The first guy said it's all mine, the other guy said it's only half mine. That means the second guy's conceding that actually, yes, it's half his. So on the half, on one half of the talus, both of them agreed it belongs to Mr. A. So Mr. A gets that end of discussion. Then as for the other half of the talus, Mr. A says it's all his, and Mr. B says it's all his on the second half. So that part that they'll take a shoe on and they'll divide it 50-50. So therefore it nets out that the first guy gets three quarters and the second guy gets one quarter. Okay, now as far as the Shvua goes itself, so uh, the Gemara says that the Shvua for the Kula Shali, Kula Shali, with the, in the first case, where both say it's all theirs, so the actual thing they say is, they'll say, Shvua Shiesh Liba, first of all, I swear that I have some stake in this Talis, and second of all, Ein Liba Pachos Machetia, and my stake is no less than a half. That's when they're boasting it's all theirs. And the reason we have two halves, to that, like two parts to that Shvua, even though the Mishnah just prescribes the second part, is because uh, the rabbis were concerned that someone kind of would play sort of like a, a word game, semantics. And when he says, he takes a shvua, emli ba pachos machetia, saying, I don't have an amount less than half of this talis. So he could say, yeah, I don't have a, I'm sorry, I don't have an amount less than half because I don't have any amount at all. And since that would be a tricky to try to play, therefore he takes a two-pronged shvua. I have some stake in it, and my stake in it is not less than half. Over here, in the second part of the Mishnah, so again, the person would similarly say, I have a stake in it, it's not less than three quarters, and I have a stake in it, it's not less than one quarter, and it'll be the same kind of dividing. If you'll ask, wait a second, why are we making the first guy take a shvua on three quarters? Anyways, it's been, half has been conceded to him, so why doesn't he just say, he takes a shvua on one quarter, and the other guy takes a shvua on one quarter, and then they divide it three quarters, one quarter? The answer is because a same, similar kind of word game could happen, where the guy takes a shvua, on that one quarter, and he has in mind, he means the quarter that, you know, that he really only has half because they found it together is the truth, but he's swearing on the quarter that he owns, owns anyways. Therefore, we force him to take a shavuah three quarters so that he stands behind his shavuah. If I ask the question, wait a second, in both those cases, why are we making him take a shavuah on their entire claim? In other words, let's say the first case, which is simpler, Mr. A says it's all his, Mr. B says it's all his. Why don't we each one make each one of them swear it's all theirs, as they say it is? The answer is because then the bezim will look kind of foolish because the people are swearing it's all theirs and we're not giving them what they swore. Rather, we'd have them swear it's no less than half theirs and then actually give them each a full half. So we are giving something consistent with what they are taking a shvua about.